This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. The first four hours were simply an amuse-bouche. I'm stuffed. I can't remember the last time I ate this much. Sure you don't want no dessert? Not for me. Yeah, I'm good. Your table is ready for Carmen and Lima's emerging podcast scene. And we're brought to you by Extend Technologies. X-T-E-N-D-A-V.com. It's 1017. To make sure that everybody knows we're doing this absolutely live. You good over there, Tone? Make sure that they can hear you into the microphone. Oh, very excited. Very excited about today. Okay, good. want to make sure that we are all ready to talk, because I want to bring him on right now. I don't want to waste his time. I have been following this man's YouTube page since late last year, and I've always had an interest in him, and I'm very excited to bring him on. He will be at the Lorraine Theater, June 24th, 7 p.m. Tickets still available. We'll talk about that coming up. Michael Francis joins us on the show. You probably know who he is. If you don't know who he is... You really should get to know who he is because his journey is fascinating. He's a former capo of the Colombo crime family. He's a motivational speaker now, and he joins us right now on the hotline. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? It's wonderful to hear you. It's wonderful to talk to you. Um, you're coming to Lorraine on June 24th, but I also hear you're going to be – now, I don't, I don't know if any of the, of the appearances are official in Little Italy, but you will also be visiting Little Italy. Is that true? I will be. You know, I was uh, very excited when, when people heard that I was coming there. A lot of people reached out to me, and uh, they wanted to help, you know, just uh, promote the tour. And, and uh, so I'll be down there visiting a couple of restaurants. There's also uh, two very good friends. Uh, uh, one is from the current year, Records and Tapes. They've been great. They've been, uh, you know, talking this up a lot. Also, the Schnitz Ale Brewery and Schnitzel House Restaurant. So uh, I want to repay their kindness, go down there, see them, spend some time a little bit here. Here it's a great one. I've never visited the one in Cleveland, but I'm excited about it. Michael, that's outstanding. We're gonna put him. We're, let me put him back on hold. We're gonna try to reconnect here just momentarily. So, Michael, we're gonna put you back on hold, and we'll reconnect here momentarily because uh, we want to make sure the connection is fantastic. Lima, uh, it's wonderful to talk to you. By the way, hello. Yes, yes, and this is very fitting because this past weekend it was the Godfather Marathon. Yes, uh, I'm not sure what channel it was. It was oh, probably B- AMC, BBC America. Really? Yeah, they had it, uh, and I was uh, watching because it was unedited, and a young voluptuous Apollonia uh, was in one Apollonia of the scenes, and best. I can tell you that it was not censored. So Whoa. anytime you can watch a Godfather Marathon on Whoa. network TV and it's uncensored. Yeah, I'm pretty dialed in. Oh, my God. Michael also does uh, 
movie reviews <laughs> on his on his um, YouTube channel. Have you done, by the, Michael? Have you done The Godfather? I haven't seen it yet. If you have, uh, yeah, a long time ago I did it. I mean, what's to say? It's one of the greatest movies ever made. So you know, any review has to be a good one, right? <laughs> I would imagine. So I saw the Donnie Brasco one. I love that one. Um, Goodfellas, they actually mention you in Goodfellas, and you're like, well, I, according, now, according, I remember from the YouTube page, you weren't even, like, you weren't even there, right? But they, they mentioned you anyway? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a different family, different crew, but I, I knew Jimmy Burke really well, and I knew Paulie Barrio, and the writer, uh, you know, he got in touch with me, and I said, why'd you put me in that movie? He said, well, you had some name value, and I knew you knew the guys, so I, I put you in there. But other than that, you know, we, uh, we were friends, but we didn't do much business together. Michael Francis joining us here on the show. I feel like we need much more in terms of an unraveling of the story of uh, the Latanza heist. I, it's such a footnote in the movie and the downward spiral at the end of Goodfellas, uh, I feel like we need so much more on it because it, it seems like it would be a thrill to watch. Well, you know, again, I wasn't involved in that, but there was a lot of talk at the time. And, you know, Henry filled me in on some things. And, you know, Jimmy Burke was pretty tight-lipped about it because that's just the way he was. But, um, you know, everybody knew about it. And there's, at the time, it was a pretty big deal. It was one of the biggest heists ever, so... But there is there's, there's another story behind it, which maybe at a later time we can get into. <laughs> Michael, why? I mean, it's we've we've seen all the movies. I mean, the general public has seen all the movies. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of the stories. But why? You know, so many years into it, why do you believe that the? Why do you know that the general public is so enamored? Um, you know, with the lifestyle with. With the the history, everything having to do um, with the mob. Well, you know, it, it's a strange thing. When I was in that life, you know, it was my life. It's what I did. I never realized just how intriguing the life is to people outside of the life. And I mean all over the world. I mean, I've spoken, you know, Singapore, Australia, Europe, you name it. And there is a fascination. And, and look, you have to say it goes to, you know, the entertainment industry. Uh, the media, you know, they sensationalized it in such a big way. And, and a lot of the characters were bigger than life. I mean, you know, it was funny. About a year ago, I was in a, in a market and I went over to the magazine rack and there was Al Capone on the front page of the magazine. So I opened it up. The entire magazine, like 130 pages were about Al Capone's life. And, you know, he's he's dead over 80 years. His, his time was in the 20s, but people are still fascinated with it. You know, John Gotti, you know, bigger than life, a lot of these guys. So, you know, people are just intrigued with the entire lifestyle. So, I mean, I get it. I really do. But you said that, you know, the media has really served to sensationalize that life. I always felt by watching show like The Sopranos that they did everything to not glorify that way of life. I mean, they're penny pinching. It's not like these guys have so much money that they're on private jets. They're... They're flying normal. They're, they're, yeah, they, there's some perks, but you're, you're sitting there watching the show wondering if the risk is worth the reward. At least that was my takeaway. Yeah, it's true in a way. But, you know, I, I think The Godfather, uh, you know, changed a lot of things because, you know, in, in a way it did glorify the life because it, it made those people look so powerful. And, you know, obviously they were wealthy. 
you know, I can tell you this. When The Godfather came out, guys on the street, you know, acted differently. It really elevated the stature of that life in, in many ways, Godfather 1 and 2. And people were just intrigued by it. Then movies that came afterwards, you know, maybe they, they didn't glorify the life, but they were certainly good films, you know, Donnie Brasco and, and uh, uh, you know, even, even uh, Bronx Tale, you know, with Chaz Palminteri, who's a good friend. There's just something about it that people are just so intrigued by. You know, it, it's amazing. I talk to a lot of young kids. I go into prisons. I talk to these young gangbangers. And they'll, they'll look at me and they'll say, come on, Michael, you know, we saw the movies. You guys had the power. You had the women. You had money. And uh, you had it going on. And I, I would say to them, but didn't you see the end of the movie? You know, who got killed, who went to jail, who lost everything? They don't see that part. They don't. They only see the, you know, the part that intrigues them. So I don't know. It, it, it's crazy, but it, it certainly has an impact on people, no doubt. Do you, as a guy who was formerly in the mob, are you still blown away by people still wanting to be in that lifestyle? I am, you know. I mean, I think I'm seeing it a little less now than, than before. I mean, early on when I started speaking back in the you know, late 90s and early 2000s, kind of different but i think you know things have quieted down a lot in that life you don't hear about it as much as as you did during my era because you know i always say the golden era of of the mafia in this country especially in new york was really from the 50s right through the mid 80s that's when we we controlled a lot you know we had access right into the white house we controlled all the unions we had you know a lot of weight in wall street and the markets uh, but that's changed a lot now you know the racketeering act and and you know, the government crackdown on that life has really done some damage. You don't hear about it as much anymore. You know, it used to be, you know, you, you go back in that time, 70s, 80s, even the 60s, every other day in New York, you read something about that life, whether it was the New York Post, the Daily News, you know, uh, the New York Times. Now it, it could be every six months, maybe you'll read something. So it's, it's changed quite a bit. You mentioned uh, New York and, you know, so much of this is centered and based out of New York. Uh, but here in Cleveland, I mean, it, it, Danny Green is brought up uh, constantly by, you know, our, our, you know, different generations here. I, I mean, I was hearing about Danny Green, the Irishman, since I was born, basically, and, and, and how he was entangled. Youngstown, Kenny's got family from Youngstown. Uh, how, how big of a role was kind of that corridor, the Youngstown into into Cleveland and on its way to Chicago. How how big of a role did that play in, you know, the 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 mafia's expansion? Well, you know, it's a big deal. You know, there was that war going on between Danny Green and, and uh, the Italians at that time. They had a seat on the commission. You know, at one time it was pretty active in Cleveland. When I come into town, we're going to talk about that. I don't want to get into it too much now because I'm going to spend some time on that uh, on June 24th. But uh, you know, th they had a big presence there. You know, Cleveland, also Youngstown, for sure. Um, you know, places like Chicago, Tampa, Florida. You know, there was, there was a, I mean, New York was the center of power. And New York really controlled much of what was going on because we had five families back there, all very active. Uh, but, you know, there was, a, there was a strong presence. Cleveland was one of those cities. Um, you know, unfortunately, they went to war. And things, uh, you know, things got out of hand uh, for the mob, at least back in those days. But uh, they certainly had an impact and had a presence. 
Michael Francis joining us on the show will be appearing at the Lorraine Palace Theater, June 24th. Tickets available at michaelfrancis.com. We'll talk about that coming up here in a moment. Uh, can you take us through when you were made? Can you take us through that process? Well, yeah. I mean, my dad proposed me into that life. You know, when you become a member, you can't just go up to somebody and say, hey, I'd like to join. You know, it's not like that. Somebody has to propose you, vouch for you, say you have what it takes. In my case, it was my father, who was uh, the one-time underboss of the Colombo family. He was in prison at the time. And uh, he proposed me for membership. You know, I had to sit down with the acting boss at that time because the boss, Carmine Persico, was, was in prison. And he ran things down for me, what was required of me, what I needed to do. And at that point in time, I was a recruit. And for the next two, two and a half years, I had to do anything and everything I was told to do to prove myself worthy to become a member. And for me, that happened on uh, uh, Halloween night in 1975. And it was a very, you know, formal ceremony, a very serious ceremony. They wanted you to understand the seriousness of what you were getting involved in. And it was a late night deal. Uh, there were six of us that night that were made. And we walked into a room individually. And then we took an oath. You know, the, the boss, the underboss, the consigliere was there. All the cop regimes, the captains were there. And we took a blood oath, you know, to, uh, to never betray the oath of America. You know, a lot of people think when you, when you take the oath, you're taking an oath to lie, steal, cheat, kill. It's not like that at all. I mean, we, the, the oath of omerta means silence. Uh, you're never supposed to even reveal that the life exists. That's what it's really about. But listen, we're, we're street guys, and as a result, we did do things that were certainly illegal against the law. Uh, because we had a different feeling about the government. You know, I'm not justifying it, not saying it's right. I mean, I don't glorify the life. I left it. Uh, but, you know, th- that's how it goes. So for me, I was 24 years old when I, when I got made. Michael Francis joining us on the show. And you were young because at the time, if I'm not mistaken, they weren't accepting many people. And then they opened the book for you and, and, and you were very young. And then you had to assume a leadership role after that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they had an expression that the books were closed from the early 50s until the mid-70s when they opened it up. And that was really for security reasons. The only way they were, all the families agreed to make somebody is if somebody in the family died. Uh, but then they opened it up in, in 75, uh, I think 74, 75. And they brought in, uh, all the families did, you know, a whole new batch of guys. And I was one of them. But when I came in, there were guys waiting 20 years to get made. So it was... Uh, just timing for me, you know, it happened to happen at the right time. You know, in the in the Godfather, part of what they would uh, press upon in, in their storytelling was that you did have a level of sophistication uh, within this group. Uh, you had certain educated uh, people, lawyers, obviously. What, what would you find, or, or now that, you, you know, you've had time to uh, kind of assess, you know, that whole experience? I mean, how sophisticated were a lot of the, the crime activity and the cohesion between the families. I mean, was this was this like the, the cartels of Colombia? I mean, how, how, how big of a deal was this in, in, in terms of financing uh, and, and being able to, to hide this from the government and all of that? I mean, what level of sophistication did it reach? Well, it was very sophisticated. You know, you got to understand this was a sophisticated criminal organization that really had a lot of power. You know, we can 
controlled the unions in the United States at that time. We controlled the Teamsters unions, you know, all the dock workers. Uh, you know, I had the restaurant bartenders union. We had the security guards union. We had a tremendous presence in the union. And, you know, you control unions. Number one, you control millions of people. You control their voting block. And we had huge, huge pension funds that we could use and spread around to build Las Vegas, you know, as an example, to, uh, you know, to uh, support politicians that we wanted to put in office that in turn did favors for us. Uh, this was a, a very sophisticated operation. You can't downplay it in that regard. You know, and I always say there was kind of like there was two standards in that life. You're either a racketeer or you're a gangster. You know, racketeers were the ones that, you know, uh, really brought the money in and, and had more sophistication in the way they operated. And then the gangsters were the ones that did a lot of heavy work, you know, because they weren't capable of using that life to benefit them uh, financially. And uh, you probably had more gangsters than you did racketeers, but you had enough racketeers to support the family and make it grow into the criminal organization that it was. So, um, you know, don't ever downplay it in that regard because, uh, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be. It, it was a big operation that had major, major impact all over the United States. How did you, Michael Francis joining us on the show, how did you get out of... How did you get out of that life? Well, listen, you know, <laughs> I made a decision, you know, back in the mid-80s. I saw what was happening in that life. You know, the racketeering law was absolutely devastating. The Bail Reform Act, the Sentencing Reform Act, a lot of guys were turning informants. You know, crimes that were never federal crimes like murder became federal crimes out of the, uh, under the RICO statute. And I said, this life is seriously in trouble. I mean, everybody I knew was, was indicted uh, uh, for some kind of crime. I mean, I was in, in prison back in the early 80s with guys. I mean, God, we had more guys in prison than we had on the street. And then guys started to flip, you know, become informants because they were facing so much time. They couldn't deal with it. And I said, this, is, this life is in trouble. And, you know, basically, I wanted to try to preserve my life. And a young woman that I was uh, falling in love with that I wanted to marry. We've been married 38 years now. So I decided to, to try to walk away. And, you know, it was a whole plan that I had. And I was able to successfully do that. Uh, it cost me a lot. I spent eight years in prison. And, you know, I had huge fines, uh, you know, that I had to repay the government. But uh, here I am, you know, 20 some odd years later, it worked out. So I have no complaints. And after you got out, you, you you worked with Major League Baseball, and I saw one of your podcasts about there, your YouTube uh, shows about that. Um, we had a, a, one of our bosses actually worked for Major League Baseball, a guy named Andy Roth, and we I was talking about you a couple of months ago, and he's like, oh, he's amazing, and he knew about one of the speeches that you had given uh, to Major League Baseball and players about gambling, and here we are, you know, it's twenty twenty three. Uh, gambling is legal in a lot of places. Sports gambling is legal in a lot of places. We saw this scenario happen or this scandal happen with the University of Alabama where it was, what, a family member? It wasn't even the coach that was gambling in Cincinnati about Alabama baseball. I mean, are these things that you see where, you know, I'm a, I'm afraid as an NFL fan, like we saw, was it Jamison Williams, Lima, get a mm -hmm. suspended for six games? We saw Calvin Ridley get suspended for a year. We're in Cleveland, and it's like the last thing we need is a guy getting suspended for any time because of gambling. 
Is this one of the things that you have to warn about? Just not about the vice or anything like that, but knowing the rules, knowing what you can and can't do? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I was recruited out of prison, um, you know, to talk to all the players. I was recruited by all four of the, of the major, uh, the pro leagues. And I started that in 96, and it was a great program. I mean, I've been doing it for over 20 years. So we started with the pros, and then the NCAA got in touch with me in 98, and I probably visited a little over 300 schools in the, in the past 20-some-odd years. And basically, you know, I, you know, I'm not a prophet, but I certainly predicted that things were going to get worse, especially on the college level, because, you know, you have access. When you have more access to gambling, uh, people are going to gamble more, especially athletes, because it's an extension of their competitiveness. You know, they raise the stakes in a, in a competition, and uh, they feed off of it. And unfortunately, you know, I, I had a, uh, a major operation on the street. I had probably 12, 13 bookmakers that worked under me. We had a lot of athletes and, and lead personnel that were gambling with us. Wow. And, uh, it, you know, it was damaging back then to, to many of them. And, you know, now there's like a second round coming. I mean, I'm going to Alabama again. There's a couple of schools that have contacted me. So uh, it's starting all over again. And again, it's because of access. Uh, the more access you give to people who gamble, the more they're going to gamble. You know, it's funny. Uh, back in New York, um, when they brought off-track betting in, you know, the, the state legalized gambling on, at the track. So they had these off-track betting parlors all throughout the city. And the, and the cops came to me one time and they said, oh, we're going to put you guys out of business now. They're not going to need bookmakers. They'll come to the, uh, you know, off-track betting. I said, yeah, well, let's see what happens. And they actually increased, you know, gambling on the street because why? You go to off-track betting, you got to put your credit card down and you got to pay cash. You know, they don't take uh, credit. And uh, what happens? Guys lose and a gambler is not going to stop because they lose. They go back to the street and they gamble again with the bookmaker because we gave them credit. So they actually increased it. The more you give access to people to gambling, the more the people are going to gamble. And... You know, to me, it's going to be a major problem on the uh, college level because these kids can't afford to lose. Pro level, different. You know, they, they can afford it. These guys making plenty of money and they gamble all the time, but they can afford to, to uh, cover their losses. Different in college and different in high school. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Believe it or not, it's happening that that young. Hmm. Well, when we've had uh, Tim Donaghy on with us, the disgraced NBA official who we're happy to have on as many times as possible hmm. because he has interesting stories and and fascinating, you know, uh, basically taking us behind the curtain. 
on what was happening in some pretty big NBA playoff games, Western Conference finals, Lakers games. Uh, how prevalent was uh, any of that stuff to your knowledge back in the day? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I knew Tim. Um, I didn't know him during this issue, even though we heard about it back then. But we've spoken after that. But look, look, you know, basketball is a prime sport because you, you got five guys on the court. You got a referee that remember this. It's never about winning or losing. It's all about the point spread. That's it. So you got a, a you know, let's say a referee. You know, it's Christmas time. He wants to put a few extra dollars in his pocket, or you know, God forbid, there's a health issue in his family he has to cover. You know, he can call a foul on any time they go down the court, or he doesn't have to call one. So you know, you'll go back in the day. Not to mention anybody play now, but the Lakers are favored to win over Boston. And, uh, you know, what do you do? Let's say they're favored to win by 10. So you target Kobe. You know, you put him on the bench a few more times, a few more minutes to manipulate the spread. It may not happen all the time in one game, but when you do that over a series of games, you're going to come out ahead. And who's going to know? If the referee doesn't tell anybody, who's going to know? You know, he's smart. He knows how to handle it. He knows what to do, what to not to do. You, you know, look, I, I think it's – I don't want to let people understand that this is happening in every game. It's not. It, it's it's the exception, not the rule. But don't rule it out. Does it happen? Absolutely. No question about it. You know, you, you can – and not only basketball, but uh, it, it's a sport that you can manipulate pretty easily. Michael Francis joining us on the show. I want to ask you about your show coming up at at the Lorraine Palace Theater on June 24th. Um, and I could keep you, for, I could try to keep you forever and ask you all these questions because it is fascinating. I do have to ask you: you've done a lot of interviews over a long period of time from guys like us. So I either if I've done it already, so I don't make the mistake again, or so I can avoid it in the future. What's the dumbest question you get? about the mob that you go, all right, I guess I'll answer this, or you're just going to go, no, I'm not going to answer that. Let's move on. Well, you know, I, I couldn't even think of, of some of the questions, especially that I get online, you know, because I have a YouTube channel and you get, you know, thousands of comments and people ask the craziest things. I can't even remember them all, but, you know, I don't go through all of them. But, you know, it, the, the three questions that I get asked all the time, you can almost bet on it, almost guaranteed. And this is even in Singapore, Australia, where you say, how do these people know these things? But three questions. Number one, did you ever kill anybody? Number two, where's all the money that you had? Because, you know, my case involved, I think, a billion dollars, they said, that we defrauded the government out of. Mm. And number three, where is Jimmy Hoffa buried? Those questions come up 90% of the time. And, you know, I answer them, obviously, but uh, so don't worry about it. You're not going to ask me anything that I haven't been asked before, and, and nothing is that crazy. You know, look, people are curious. I get it. And so many people know the life only from what they see in the movies or what they read in, you know, on, on, uh, in the media. So they don't know, and they're fascinated by it. I mean, if you see some of the questions, you'll, you'll, you'll probably laugh. I mean, it's, it's really hysterical at times, but I get it. People are curious, and, and so we do the best answer. You know, that night, you know, I'll talk about the Cleveland mob. I'll talk about my lifestyle. I, I usually talk about some things that I haven't talked about online. Uh, we'll do a Q&A. You know, there's VIP section there. We, we go in the back afterwards, and I'll sign some books with people. We sign cards. We take photos together. It's always a great night. I've done these all over the world, and I, I, honestly, I enjoy them. And I'm looking forward to Cleveland. 
great people there. It's like I said, so many people have reached out because I talked about it on my YouTube channel. And uh, we're getting such support, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. And uh, I got friends in Youngstown. I know a couple of people in Cleveland, so we're going to have a good time. What movie adaptation would you say is the most accurate? Because we've all watched all the same movies, and so many of them are big and famous and then turned into blockbuster. And uh, then, you know, most recently the Hoffa movie was, you know, they basically rebranded with Scorsese doing it and everything. What what would you say? Is there one that sticks out that you're like, damn, that was pretty spot on? Okay, this is this isn't usually a surprise to everybody, but I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. The 1996 HBO movie with uh, Armand DeSante was called Guy. It was spot on. Uh, Anthony Quinn and Armand DeSante were nothing short of brilliant in that movie. And the movie was extremely accurate because a lot of the script was written from the transcripts uh, of the tapes and the surveillance uh, uh, you know, devices that were uh, taken from Gotti, from the actual case. And it was, it was, it's probably my favorite movie. I mean, that's going to sound crazy. Now, not, not the recent Gotti, but 1996 Gotti, HBO. You can go on YouTube and watch it for free. It was just brilliant. Armand DeSante nailed that role. There's a scene in there where Anthony Quinn, who plays Neil Delacroix, you know, is the, the uh, uh, underboss at the time. Uh, it's just amazing. Just a brilliant scene that gave me chills because it was so uh, spot on about that life. So I tell everybody to watch it. I mean, Armand became a friend of mine because I've, I've touted that movie so much. And he, he's just a great guy. Uh, but that was brilliant. Obviously, The Godfather, a brilliant movie, one and two, not three. Three is, you know, they, they kind of lost their way on that. But they're fictional. You know, you're a boss of the family. Your son doesn't automatically become the boss. It doesn't work that way. Uh, but it was a brilliant movie. Uh, Goodfellas, brilliant. They took dramatic liberty in that, of course, but it was done well. Donnie Brasco, I thought Donnie Brasco um, was brilliant. I met Joe Pistone uh, once on the street. And, uh, you know, we're good friends now, but I tease him. I said, I'm glad I only met you once on the street. I probably wouldn't be talking to you now. I'd be in jail because <clears throat> he did his job so well. Uh, but I thought that that was Al Pacino's greatest role. <clears throat> excuse me. He just, <clears throat> excuse me, he just nailed uh, Lefty Ruggiero. He did such a great job. His character was brilliant. And, of course, Bronxdale. <clears throat> I thought that... Uh, Excuse me. I thought it was um, it was um, Charles Palmateri's greatest role. He just he nailed the character there. So, I mean, there's a lot of great ones. There really is. But for me, uh, again, uh, the most realistic, Gotti, 1996 HBO. Now, you had mentioned Vegas earlier, and obviously we know uh, Casino. But uh, from your perspective, do you prefer the Vegas that exists now? A little corporatized, uh, obviously a much different tourist attraction than it was, you know, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. Oh, my. you know what? There's no comparison. You know, anytime I speak about Vegas and there's people in the crowd that are my age that experienced Vegas back in the day, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, uh, will tell you it was a far better town, you know, where we had control there. Uh, it was wide open. It was just different. It was, 
there's no comparison. And anybody my age or, you know, that lived through that era will tell you the same. Oh, we want the mob back in Vegas. They ran it better. <laughs> we had a better time back then. A lot of people will say that, and I, I certainly agree with that. I know the pool All scene right. is pretty nice right now. <laughs> What's that? The pool scene is pretty nice right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, it, well, you're probably too young to remember back then. Or maybe you weren't around, but it, it was good. It was different. It really was. Find him on Twitter at Michael Francis. Find his find his website, michaelfrancis.com. He will be at the Lorraine Palace Theater June 24th, and he just told you the, the, there will be a meet and greet for the VIPs. Show starts at 7 p.m. Get your tickets available at michaelfrancis.com. Check out his YouTube page. I am a subscriber. His latest one, which he posted yesterday, which was what he feared in the mob life, which I'm sure is very good. I haven't got a chance to sit down and watch that one yet. I did watch the Pizza Connection one that came out uh, earlier last week, Michael. So obviously, yes, I, I can prove I am a subscriber to your YouTube page. Everybody, go check out the show June 24th. Get tickets, michaelfrancis.com. Michael, thank you very much for the time. Guys, I appreciate it. I hope to see you there. You're going to be you're going to be uh, visiting. It's my birthday weekend, so I got to try to convince my wife to get out there. Yes, I do. But I'm on the uh, east side of Cleveland. I'm not on the west side, so it's a bit of a hike. All right. Well, hopefully we'll hook up. If not, maybe another time. Maybe I'll see you down in Little Italy. Yes, sir. Would look forward to it. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks you, a lot. You too, Michael Francis, former capo of the Colum- uh, the Colombo crime family. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Boy, and that makes me want to go see that movie. Which the, one? Gotti. The, the HBO Oh, the HBO version. one? Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah, because I always wonder um, which ones re- even remotely resemble what life was Corky truly Romano. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Easily. So that was fun. Oh, that was nice. Uh, Look at and, you. And, and the, gambling, the gambling component of it is, is just unbelievable. And he says, obviously, he's, he's familiar with Tim Donaghy. For even friendly, uh, I will always wonder. Just back then, what was that like? What was that like in terms of games that were fixed? Because now they have a handle on this so fast, they can just look at the the betting lines. They can see what 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 they mm-hmm. know is going to be influenced before it even starts. That's why games get taken off the board. And uh, there's so much. Think about it. it. Was the Ohio Gaming Commission that took that? Baseball game, Alabama baseball, basically their whole season, and said, nope, nope, we're seeing some irregularities. There were a couple bets that are way too high. You know, back then, was that well, necessarily the case? Well, our boss had kind of said, hey, like that's kind of the way they did it. Because I, I wanted to bring that up with him, and he said, have you seen this story? He goes, that's kind of the way they, everybody thinks it's just like, oh, we'll get you a car, and you can do this. And it's like, eh, they'll get close to a family member. And you remember that 30 for 30, like playing for the mob? It's like the one guy who was playing for Boston College, and Henry Hill said, "Is like, oh, well, if you don't want to play, then how's that girlfriend of yours doing down there? Okay, well, now that the story changes. So that's those are the interesting things that get brought up. But Michael Francis, good stuff, and uh, looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully I'll be able to get out there on June 24th. That is my birthday weekend. Do I still treat birthday weekends like a birthday weekend as a 30-something-year-old man? Uh, Yes. You should actually actually – Get even more hyped about it now. Really? Yes. You sure about that? You have more resources now. What does that mean? You can you can have a, a, a better celebration. You can start to really take inventory on how important these things are in this moment of time. You know, back in your twenties, every birthday seemed the same. Now now uh, they 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 need to be 
They need to be elevated. Owens, Are you saying Owens I'm having less and less of them coming I'm up? I'm just saying well, I sure. just received a text that said it'd be in your best interest to be present. On <laughs> be in my, all right. All right. Well, we'll try. June 24th. We're brought to you by Extend. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.